How did you feel? Isn't that, isn't that all that initials? I didn't. It took me so long to figure out what all those initials L G S something. I don't know. Lesbians, gay, L G. And I kept seeing it and go, why don't they explain what these initials are? What do you? What it's is a gay it? lesbian something. Gay lesbian. I can't think of the rest of it. LGBT. LGBT. That was it. I had no idea. All right. So let's break it down. So what does the L stand for? Lesbian. G. Gay. B. You know, I don't know. Tell me. What if you prefer both? Oh, bisexual. So LGBT is what? Because you got distracted. Transgender. Gender. It could be transgender. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yum's the word. Haven't you heard? Yum's the word. It was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hi everybody! Welcome to Yum's the Word. It's a stories telling show where everyone gets a piece. That is my five-year-old niece Morgan, who does not get that euphemism. At the top, you heard Auntie, who also doesn't get that euphemism. And I'm Robin Gelfenbein, creator and host of the show, who does get that euphemism. On today's episode, we've got two fantastic and funny storytellers. First up is Meg Farrell, telling her story about the steamy experience she offers at her luxury home spa. I was 23, living in Boston, and in that particular moment, I was feeling pretty good about myself. The night before, through conversation, prolonged eye contact, (laughs) and my devastating good looks, it's okay to laugh at that, Um, I had lured a lady into my bed, and now, It was the morning after, which is a word that is way less traumatic for lesbians than it is straight people. (laughs) Way to go ahead and ruin that for everyone. So it was the morning after, and because I like to offer what I would call a full service experience, similar to like a high quality spa. When she mentioned tea, I was like, of course I can get you tea. And I sprung from the bed with the uh, grace of a gazelle. It's hard to imagine, but it's true. (laughs) And I should let you know, at this point, I was just in my short shorts. And now, see, guys, I don't believe in being naked just to be naked. I believe in purposeful nakedness. So I reached for my robe. And what you should know is when you're short, um, and this is something we don't talk about a lot because we don't want you giants to get jealous, but when you're short, you never ever grow out of your clothing, so you can wear them forever. So this particular white terry cloth robe I had received as a gift from my adoring parents in 10th grade. And it had seen me through high school, uh, through college, and now into young swaggerhood. So I fastened it tightly and I winked. And yes, I do have a full body wink. Um, 
we can't all be perfect. And I headed to the stairs, taking them two at a time to get to the kitchen. And when I got to the kitchen, I went right to the kettle and I grabbed it and I filled it with water. Bam. Put it on the stove. Bam. Got the cup. Bam. Went to the tea shelf, reached past the Lipton to the Tetley. <laughs> exactly. This is a top shelf affair, guys. Put the tea in the cup. Bam. Went over and repositioned the kettle because it was slightly off the burner and I have a little bit of OCD. Bam. And that, guys, is when the flame caught the sleeve of my robe. Yes, apparently terry cloth is highly flammable. And now most people in this moment would scream, and I did, but the thing is when I scream, I don't make any sound. Like, I go through the motions, I clench, my mouth opens, but nothing comes out. I look like a really awkward extra from like a silent film or like someone who's having an extreme medical condition. And so what happened is when that flame caught my sleeve, it went up my robes and down my back. And I just went. And it was especially traumatic, guys, because my entire life I have had an increased phobia of fire. And like when I was younger, my family would be asleep and I would sneak out into the kitchen and I would make sure the stove was off checking the knobs three times, off, off, off. And then I would go to the microwave, and that's a tricky little bastard, the microwave, because of that flashing clock, you never really know when it's off. So I would just unplug that bastard. And there was like a wild rash of unpluggings in my house, and the mystery still has not been solved, who's behind them. And then I would head back to my room and I would just wait for the inevitable flames to come racing down the hallway towards my family and me. But they never did, not on my watch. And you might say to yourself, well, Meg, why do you have this phobia? Like, what kind of candle mishap caused this? Nothing. I mean, I would argue that it's completely rational to have an irrational fire phobia. <laughs> and this is why, because of out of all the four elements, fire is the biggest badass of them all. Water, eh. earth, mm. air. Did you feel that? Did you feel the pain on that one? Go ahead, duck, you can't run from that. So as I was saying, it's perfectly rational to have an irrational fear of fire. And in fact, to this day, I still sleep with a fire extinguisher on my nightstand. And yes, my wife is extremely tolerant. And no, she doesn't have an irrational fire phobia. And yes, I did debate if I should marry her, even knowing that. But you all, I married for love, not for safety. <laughs> to bring us back to the moment. As a youth, I had done some early research on fire safety, as you do. And I remember reading about an article about a lot of older women who had gotten their robes caught in the flame and had died from this exact situation. And I remember thinking at the time, how the fuck does that happen? But in that moment, in that moment, in my white terry cloth childhood robe that was engulfed in flames while I stood in the kitchen, in that moment, I understood. <laughs> I understood exactly how it could happen. And I knew I was about to die. 
and way before my time. And apparently from early onset flammability. It wasn't as funny at the time, but yes. And the first thing that flashed into my mind was I am like three months shy of my five-year high school reunion. This cannot be the way I die. This cannot be the big news at the reunion. Like Jeff got a job with Morgan Stanley. Kelly's getting married because she's pregnant. Meg died in her childhood robe when she was engulfed in flames while making Camel tea for a lesbian lover. That cannot be how I die, guys. No, and especially because I had won the senior superlative with my high school boyfriend for best couple. No. This cannot be how I die. Not at all. And so I thought, I've got to fight. And so I reached back and I took the robe right at the neck and I don't look graceful. And I'm not usually, but in this moment, I was like a swan. A swan on fire, but a swan. <laughs> and if you can picture it, I grabbed the neck of the terry cloth robe and I pulled it from behind my head, taking it off in one entire swoop. And then I started swinging <laughs> it around, which probably arguably could have fueled the fire. Well, let's not get into technicalities here. And I was swinging it around, and then I slammed it thunderously onto the ground, extinguishing the flames. And then I did it three more times because I have OCD. And then I drew a ice bath in the downstairs bathroom and let it soak because I'm crazy. And so there I stood in the kitchen, again, in just my short shorts, but this time it was okay because it was purposeful nakedness because I had saved my own life. And guys, they don't hand out medals for that kind of stuff. And then I turned, deflated and shaking and headed to the stairs and took them one at a time, heading to the bedroom. Sans tea, sans childhood robe, sans swagger. In fact, the only thing I brought back to that room was the distinct smell of burning. <laughs> and then I got into the bed and I, I curled into the fetal position and I softly began to cry. And then I heard her say, quietly, what happened? And I said, the tea service has been discontinued because I lit myself on fire. And for some reason, she found my medium rare swagger adorable, much like you do perhaps a three-legged dog. Cause she slid her arms around me and they stayed that way for nearly a year. Thanks guys, I'm Meg. That was Meg Farrell. You can find more of her stories at megfarrell.com. Now, Meg's story about her childhood robe reminded me of my high school nightgown that I still wear when I visit my parents, much to my fashionista sister's dismay. But I love it. It's short, it's salmon colored, it's, it's made of this t-shirt material, and the best part, it's got Garfield on it. What's up, fellas? Now, since we chatted with Auntie about what LGBT means, 
I wanted to see what Morgan thought about same-sex marriage. Do you think that Bert and Ernie should get married? Yeah. Yeah, what would they do for their wedding? They uh, kiss and get rings. Yep. And then what would they do? They would spend the day with each other, the whole entire day with each other. Yeah. And get kids. They would eat dinner with each other. They could take a picture, a video of the cat, and put it on Facebook. Thanks, Morgan. Our next storyteller is always a crowd favorite. This story is about when she was trapped on a cruise ship with some conservative bikers. Here's Tara Clancy, live at Yum's the Word. So, 10 years ago, my wife's sister decided that she wanted to get married on a cruise ship. Uh, So, of course, you know, we had to go along, uh, which I was miserable about. Uh, I was I was terrified actually. I'm like a I'm a dyed in the wool, you know, neurotic native New Yorker. Uh, and so I was just kinda like, you know, if this if, if this thing doesn't like, you know, crash or sink, you know, then we're gonna definitely get that that neural virus, you know. <laughs> Forget about like the germs on these things, like what about the people, you know? Yeah, I'm like, you know, they're gonna like string our lesbian asses up on the Lido deck, you know. And uh, I'm like, just just look at them, honey, just look. Oh, I'm, I'm actually saying all of this as we are walking up the game. <laughs> Not my best idea. Uh, all right, I'm just like, look at them, babe, look. I'm like, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, two uh, homophobes from Nebraska, you know, two like, neo-Nazis from Ohio, you know, two zealots from Alabama, you know, I'm like, this thing is like Noah's Ark for rejects. <laughs> but my wife, uh, who is just sort of like my opposite in every way, uh, which is to say uh, an optimist, He's <laughs> like, you know, it's gonna be fine. We're gonna have some peanut galanas, you know, just shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> so it's the first night in, uh, and as usual, she's right, I'm a jerk, right? I'm having a fucking blast. I'm doing shots with the Nazis. I'm like, sell it, you know, I don't give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> we actually end up having this great night, like talking and drinking um, with this one particular couple, and we stay up late. Uh, I'm just sitting there drinking and talking with them. Um, and they are like, uh, they're like biker types. Which I will say, uh, I find can be sometimes like misleading. You know, sometimes you're like, are they rebels or Reaganites? <laughs> you can't tell the difference, right? So we're talking, drinking, everything's going fine. So all of a sudden, it's like the record scratches. Because at the same time, that it occurs to us that they are super, super conservative. It occurs to them that we are a couple. (laughs) (laughs) And they really, they're they're literally like, you are lesbians? (laughs) Like that. No one's ever needed to ask me that. You are lesbians, right? Just, just like that. We've never met a gay couple. 
you have. Uh, anyway. <laughs> My wife instantly does that, like, cringeworthy thing. She's like, and aren't we just nice people like you? Because <laughs> we're having the most wonderful time, right? And I am, I'm like, I'm like abandoned ship. You know, I'm gone. I have the life jacket on. I'm in for the life right? But it's not all that terrible. We sort of say this awkward goodbye. We leave. All right. Next day, we wake up. Everyone on this ship goes out to the pool deck. This is what you do. And my wife is like, you know, we're we're going. And I'm like, no, we're not. I am I am completely paranoid. I'm like, they are going to fucking kill us. I don't want to go, but she's like, we're going. Uh, and so whatever. Here she is. She's got this hat. She's got this like uh, bikini with little cherries on it. She's got these matching cherry um, high heeled shoes. Whatever. You know, she's like ready to parade out there like she is the lesbian Liz Taylor.
and I ball up my fists, and I finally work up the nerve to turn back around and face him. When I do, he's pointing to his hand. And I don't get it. Keeps pointing at his hand, and I don't get it. And then finally, I see that what he's actually pointing to is his ring finger. So he's referring to my wedding ring. As in, the worst decision of my life was getting married. <laughs> Which comes as a relief, and he kind of has a point, right? <laughs> so for this one brief second, I have like this moment of, of reprieve, but then like a second later, he just goes into this rant. He's like, you're gonna wanna fucking kill that husband of yours. He's gonna drive you nuts. Your husband's gonna make you crazy. You're gonna wanna murder your husband in his sleep, right? Okay, now as he's going on, I have this sort of dilemma and it's twofold, right? Like on one hand, I'm trying to figure out is he dangerous nuts or is he just regular nuts, right? <laughs> and then on the other hand, you know, as you all know, I don't have a husband. I have a wife, right? So I'm sort of thinking, should I correct him, right? Like, on one hand, I'm sort of out and proud and I don't want to like presume he's a homophobe like I did with the bikers. Uh, on the other hand, I've got a disheveled, crazy looking old man drinking vodka at nine in the morning and screaming about murdering people in their sleep, right? Suffice it to say, there's not a protocol for this one. Uh, as I am having, however, this whole internal debate, he has kept right on going. You're gonna wanna fucking kill that husband of yours. You're gonna hope he gets hit by a bus, right? Huh? Finally, I just go, fuck it. I stop him, I go, mister, look, you know what? I don't even have a husband, all right? I have a wife. And without missing a beat, he goes, even worse. <laughs> Check out more of Tara's stories. Go to taraclancy.com. If you're in New York City, we'd love for you to join us for the live show. The next one is August 12th at 7.30 at Le Poisson Rouge. It's our four-year anniversary show. I cannot believe it's been four years. Uh, we've got all kinds of fun things planned, some surprises, and of course, my homemade ice cream cakes. Tickets are available at our brand new website, yumsthewordshow.com. You can also check out videos of Auntie on the site to see just how adorable she is. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who also wrote some of the music. Special thanks to John Levin, Vince Fairchild, Megan Deneen, Michael Cedar, Danny Artis, Auntie, and of course, Morgan. The theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Thanks for listening. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and until next time. Gay cock and up and down. Go shit in the ocean. Yum's the word. Gay cotton. Gay cotton.